Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about catnip. It's not just for cats. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Well, I am excited to be talking about catnip today, commonly an herb that we think of as a plant that gets cats loopy and then relaxed. But it actually has a lot of health benefits to it for humans as well. It also has some really interesting uh, history and folklore to it and some fun um, uses outside of just medicine, although we will get into plenty of medicinal uses of the plant as well. So lots to get into. I was actually thinking it would be a pretty short podcast. And then I started my research and compiling of information. And I was like, actually, there's quite a lot to talk about here. So let's just dig in and see where it takes us. Catnip, Nepeta cataria is the botanical name, and it's in the mint family, the Lamiaceae family, formerly known as the Labiatae family. And the genus Nepeta is na- it, the name comes from an ancient city um, called Nepet, Nepet, Nepi, along those lines, and it's located north of Rome. It was um, in the center of the Etruscan civilization, which took place before Rome was there, and the Romans were were in control of that area. So it was thought that this city used to cultivate and grow a lot of catnip, apparently. It was a, the Etruscan civilization back when the city was named uh, Nepet 
or Nepeti. It was um, it was a culture that was renowned in antiquity for its rich mineral resources. And it was a major Mediterranean trading power. They also, in specifically in this city too, they had really figured out how to capture water and make it flow and channel it for their agricultural uses and for their house uses. So just an interesting place for this plant to be named after, I thought. There are actually 250 species in the genus Nepeta. And but it's the Cataria one that we are dealing with with catnip. There's also one that's called cat mint commonly these days that has um, is more of a landscape plant and does have a very strong scent. I know some people do use it medicinally um, or at least in teas for me personally. So that's a Nepeta musini and it's beautiful. I plant it in most of the gardens that I design and install because the deer don't eat it because it has such a strong smell to it. It has a really long bloom time and it has these really beautiful purple blue flowers. And it it just it's a nice mounding plant. It doesn't like spread and take over. It's a great landscape plant. It smells super super strong though. So um I don't know. I it's not one. I I would prefer to work with catnip than ne, Nepeta cataria. Although um, the Nepeta cataria has been called cat mint before, it's also been called nep or catnip instead of catnip. So, but this is the plant that we're talking about. The cat mint, the Musini, the landscape plant has very small, silvery green leaves. The catnip, the Nepeta cataria, has very large, much larger leaves and kind of softer, fuzzier leaves. And however, cats tend to like them both, but the catnip is what they really go for, which is what we'll be talking about today. It has a lot of history and medicinal properties. So historically, this really odd folklore that I came to says um, that if you chew the root, it'll actually make a person very fierce and quarrelsome. So the root chewed would make the quietest person fierce and quarrelsome. Or it's said that, you know, chew its roots and ask the boss for a raise, I guess is how it could, (laughs) how it could help help you. Maybe you don't want to be fierce and quarrelsome, but you want to stand in your own. You want to have courage for an impossible task. And along those lines, there's a story that um, it's told that there was a hangman who could not face his job until he had chewed on the root of catnip, which then, I guess, gave him this fierce, angry courage where he was actually able to murder people, which is really kind of scary and very odd, a very odd aspect of this plant. And that's all I've really seen. You never really hear about the root being used medicinally or anything. It's always the flowering leaves and flowers, the flowering tops of the plants that are used uh, medicinally. So there you have it. Um, <laughs> The root, the plant itself is uh, native to a lot 
of different places throughout the world, native to dry, temperate regions of the Mediterranean, um, which is where it's named after, this one city, right? And then inland Europe, Asia, Africa, and North America. Actually, in, in reference to it being native in North America, um, I have this great book uh, by Mary Sesip Geniuses. It's G-E-N-I-U-S-Z. That's how you spend the last name. So it's Geniuses. And the book's name is Plants Have So Much to Give Us, All We Have to Do is Ask Anishinaabe Botanical Teachings. And at the start of the catnip chapter, she writes, Catnip is another of our native plants that Europeans insist is an import from their homeland. This one, however, Kiwe Denoque, was sure had been here long before the traders and settlers arrived. And uh, Kiwe Denoque is this woman's teacher, native teacher. She said her own grandfather, Mide Ogema, told her that he remembered his own grandfather teaching him about the plant and showing him its growth and how to gather it, and then sitting with the old man and drinking it as tea. He said his grandfather said that his own grandfather had done the same for him when he was a boy, and that was long before there were chimukumanag, long knives, quote-unquote, meaning white men in their area. So uh, reading that really kind of made me think, because you do see in most books that it is referenced as not being, you know, being either um, introduced to North America, naturalized in North America. Um, I actually haven't seen it growing wild in my neck of the woods. I, I hear maybe it grows wild a little bit more south of me. But it's like, well, how do we even know, like, who determines what is native and how and when? And uh, it's such a interesting topic, really, that seems like, I, you know, I have a lot to say on it. And I, ha- I have a podcast. So I'll put a episode about it. I'll put it in the show notes as if you want to find that podcast episode. However, back to places that it's native to. So it being also native to North America. And then in uh, Native American Medicinal Plants book by Daniel Mormon that I have, which is uh, a great ethnobotanical reference book, there's reference of a whole lot of different tribes that have worked with this plant, the Chippewa, the Delaware, Delaware, Oklahoma, Delaware, Ontario, the Ho, the Iroquois, the Karas, Western, Menominee, Mohegan, Ojibwa, Okanagan, Colville, Quilente, and Rappahannock, and the Cherokee. So lots, you know, around the North America that have worked with it. So also, First Nations of the Western Plains know it, know this herb as Shinnecock and smoke it to relieve colds. And then it was uh, listed in the U.S. Pharmacopoeia from 1842 to 1882 and also in the National Formulary from 1916 to 1950 really kind of thought to be similar in action to mint, but more relaxing. 
um, and seen as more calming. So it has a long history in North America alone, but then also around the world. So energetics of this plant's interesting, depending on who you're talking to or reading from. Um, some people consider it cold, some people cooling, and some people consider it warming. Um, and I think that this is really interesting because as far as energetics go, I mean, some plants, it's very obvious what the energetics are, right? Like cayenne is going to be a hot energetic, but then interestingly enough, like cayenne also you know, it's so heating that it will actually can have a cooling effect in the long, in the long term. And in a lot of ways, herbs are so amphoteric, like they really can have a ver different actions that it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint them even energetically sometimes. And so even when you're really relying on energetics to teach you about an herb, you also just have to like have this awareness that like, it's not necessarily always set in stone. And depending on how you work with the plant, and who you work with it, and whose perspective it is, that's teaching about it, the energetics could be different and change. But it is a nice tool to use to understand plants and to get to know. So Catnip also has a history of being a food herb used to season sauces, make pesto with, um, add to salads, use as a meat rub or on fish. And it has especially a history in France. It was a common French herb in cooking. And also in England, before Chinese tea actually like tea plant tea was popular. Catnip was a very popular daily tea, especially among the peasant folk. And the French were known to use the young shoots in salads. It's really considered an aromatic, bitter herb. So it would be a herb that would be a nice one to eat in a salad before or after a meal. Um, just to help get the digestive juices flowing and to really prepare uh, you to digest your food. It's also quite nutritious, catnip is, so it has some really nice amount of minerals in it. And this is interesting because I have heard that mints, a lot of these mint family plants will actually seek out minerals in the soil, especially calcium and magnesium. So catnip is known to actually be very high in chromium and iron. And it also contains manganese, potassium, selenium, calcium, magnesium, B complex of vitamins and vitamin C complex as well. So because of this, it's actually an herb that's known to be helpful for people who are dealing with anemia. And I would maybe work with it in a vinegar um, where you would infuse a vinegar with catnip and then you would add it to salad dressings and foods or maybe some bubbly water. The aromatic oils, it contains a lot, a lot of volatile oils, a, a huge variety of them. And it can be, the plant itself could be up to 0.3% volatile oil. I remember when I was really into essential oils and aromatherapy, 
I was wondering, I was like, you never really see catnip on the market for essential oils, or at least you didn't 20 years ago when I was really interested in aromatherapy. And I was always thinking, I was like, well, it's the scent, it's that volatile oil that really gets the cats going. I wonder how they would react to a essential oil. That was my mindset of stronger is, is better and let's make herbs more like drugs and just, just intensify everything. And now I have a very different perspective on things. But, and I'm, and actually essential oils are really detrimental to cats because they're so sensitive and um, they really should not be used with any animals, but definitely cats. So, but within that volatile oil of the catnip, um, the main component of the volatile oil is known as nepetalactone. And it's up to 42% of the volatile oil is that nepetalactone. And that is the constituent that the cats really love and is a lot of the medicinal properties to the volatile oil. Other oils that are within that volatile oil are cavricol, citronellol, geraniol, nepetal, and pugilone, thymol, neural, and valeric acid. So maybe you would recognize those, you know, citronella would be what is mainly in citronella. Thymol is obviously going to be a lot in thyme. So geraniol is very high in the, geran the scented geraniums. But the nepetalactone is, as I was saying, it's the cat chemical. It also has some mildly sedative properties to it. And it's herbicidal and insect repellent as well. And it's thought that, because it's actually thought to be a very strong insect repellent. And there have been studies done, which I'll get into, about how, what a great insect repellent it is. The nepetalactone is related to, said to be related to um, repellent secretions that are identified from certain insects. And then I also read that another kind of theory around the nepetalactone, uh, at least as far as for cats, is that it may actually bind with pheromone receptors in the nose, which would kind of be more of an aphrodisiac or kind of turn the cats on and get them all like, woo, ready to go. So although I also read that that theory has been misproven, but you will see that theory out there. Some people say that that is what it is. And some people say it's not. So I don't know. But it's definitely a scent that has a strong effect on cats. Other, it also, uh, catnip also contains iridoids and tannins, and those tannins are going to give it its astringent property, which we'll get into. So for cats, that nepetalactone, the volatile oil, that aromatic scent from the catnip is what really invokes what is known as the catnip response in cats. There are about 30, maybe even up to 50% of cats, but probably close to 30% of cats are not affected 
um, by the nepetalactone and or they don't like it. However, interestingly enough, the wild cats like tigers and lions and leopards and jaguars and bobcats have all shown that they are affected by the catnip as well, which I think is interesting. I, I don't know if they need to have more of it because they're so much bigger, but I would love to see a tiger in a patch of catnip. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, it may be a little scary. <laughs> the So the cats, when they smell the catnip, it becomes very stimulating and euphoric. And when they eat it, it actually becomes very sedating and sedative to them. And what you kind of also find is that at first when the cats are playing with it, they get really, really playful and um, kind of stimulated. And then soon thereafter, they get very sleepy and just kind of settle down for a nice nap. Although cats do that really well anyway. So who's to say it's the catnip or just the coming down from their high Another really interesting thing is that rats particularly dislike this herb specifically and will avoid it, you know, even when driven to starvation, they will still totally avoid this herb and will not even have any interest in eating it. And so the catnip can be planted and is planted around houses to keep out rats because they hate the scent so much. The insects are also not attracted to the catnip. So there was a Cornell study in New York State that found that catnip vapors, the nepetalactone, uh, repels insects. And it does it just as well as DEET does. The gardeners also have found that steeping fresh catnip leaves in water and spraying that water on plants, so just basically a catnip tea that you would spray on your plants, deters flea beetles. Um, and if applied frequently, will discourage ants and other insects. Flea beetles come out in May. They're like the first insect they come out right around the same time the black flies come out, and they love to eat green leaves, and they'll leave these little tiny holes in the leaves, but lots of them, and they can come in mass amounts. So any sort of like kale or lettuce, greens, salad greens, mixed greens, anything like that, um, they can really put a hurtin' on a crop. So that's, that's kind of a nice little trick to know. And I wonder if even just planting the catnip around, with, around in your vegetable garden would be helpful. Now, there is another really common saying around catnip that goes something along the lines of, if you set it, cats will get it. If you seed it, cats will leave it alone or something like that. There's a couple different varieties, but essentially the idea is if you're going to transplant a catnip plant that's already there, or if you're going to take cuttings and plant a catnip plant from the cuttings, then you're going to cue the cats into the fact that it's there just by handling the catnip plant, bruising it. It's going to release its scent and smell for a little, for a bit. 
and the cats are going to find it and eat it or roll in it or do whatever. If you, if you sow it, the seeds of it, then the cat will leave it alone. You don't have to worry about it if you plant catnip by seed, is what it said. Because you, aren't, you never really purposefully bruise the plant, which is what is going to release the scent or injure the plant. And so cats won't find it that way, supposedly. So if you have a lot of cats and you plant some catnip plants, you might have to protect them. Or even if you have neighborhood cats or if you have one cat, because they will, they could eat it right down to the ground. But if you plant it by seed, you might not have to do that. Okay, magical uses. And this was in Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, which is really kind of the encyclopedia for magical uses and uh, folkloric uh, ceremonial uses of plants, I would say. So used in cat magic, love for love and beauty and happiness are its magical uses. No thought to um, increase the psychic bond between you and your cat and can be intoxicating to cats. Catnip is used in love sachets, usually along with rose petals. And it said that if you hold catnip in your hand until it's warm, then hold another's hand, they will forever be your friend as long as you keep the catnip you used for the spell in a safe place. It's also said to grow the catnip near the home or hang it over the door to attract good spirits and great luck, and that it's used in spells designed to enhance beauty and happiness. Also read that the large leaves of the catnip plant are pressed and used as bookmarks in magical texts. Okay, so let's get into some of the medicine, some of the medicinal properties of this plant. So like any most mint, I would say it's going to have a nice digestive effect on the body. So it's going to help to ease digestion, to get digestion going. It has a great antispasmodic property to it. So any sort of spasms in the intestines, um, it does have some astringency. So it's known to stop diarrhea. So with the spasms and with the astringency. Also as an antispasmodic in the upper gastrointestinal Track. So for hiccups or even stomach spasms, acid reflux, dyspepsia, indigestion, nausea, um, this like upward movement, it can also really kind of help to calm and quell that. Uh, motion sickness, it can help calm and quell. Um, as a carminative, which is going to be to ease gas and flatulence or release, help to release it. And so that could also... Um, a lot of mints are going to end in that category as well. And then to help people who are dealing with IBS or IBD or even ulcerative colitis, this can be very soothing and calming to the digestive system. And it's also known to help to fight parasites and worms, um, you know, maybe to a mild degree, I would say, but it does have this you know, insecticide or insect repellent kind of property to it with all those volatile oils. So 
that could maybe tie in there as well. So a really nice digestion herb. And then really also known to be beneficial for when we are dealing with immune issues or if we're having colds and flus a lot. It can really help um, with those tannins to help astringe and tighten the mucous membranes to alleviate congestion and runny noses. And then it's really, it must have some antiviral properties to it because there's a long list of um, especially childhood viruses that this plant is known to um, help people get through. So uh, the common cold, chicken pox, scarlet fever, smallpox, measles, and then specifically fevers. Now, so catnip is such a mild herb that it's really known to be helpful for both children, babies, and even elders. Those are kind of great cat, great groups of people that mild and tasty herbs can really help help with. And specifically, catnip is really help, helpful in cooling fevers. It helps to, um, as a diaphoretic, really helps to promote sweating. And then by doing so, cools the body. Kind of so it opens the pores, the blood and the heat moves to the surface of the body and out uh, through sweat. And that can then help to cool the body and reduce a fever. And to do that, it's going to be a hot tea that you're going to drink to get that diaphoretic action. Um, You could even put some tincture in hot water if you want, and then also um, get under the blankets in bed, um, or even take a hot shower and then get under the blankets in bed so that you can really kind of warm up the bot, help to warm up the body so that it can cool. Although, so a lot of, so this is an herb that's often combined with yarrow and elderflower. Both are herbs that are also known to help cool fevers. Interestingly enough, those are both kind of, or especially the yarrow is known to kind of raise the body temperature a little bit first to help to break that fever. But catnip is one of the very few, if not the only herbs that can help to reduce the fever without also raising the the temperature first, which makes it really nice for babies. It has more of a relaxing property that it allows for the fever to somehow be uh, cooled and released. I used to always just make a tea of the three herbs, the catnip, the elderflower, and the yarrow to help bring down a fever or just in dealing with colds and flus and virus infections. Um, Now I'm much more of a simpler. I'd probably just work with one herb instead of all three. And catnip might be ideal, might be a nice one to try out. So also for teeth. So if there's a toothache, you know, chewing and sucking on the leaves is known to help relieve that. And then for babies who might be teething, to soak a washcloth in catnip tea and then put it in the freezer. And then once it's frozen, the baby can use that and gnaw on it. And as it warms up, then the baby will be getting a little bit of the catnip tea, but not a lot. I used to do this when my child was a baby. I did this with chamomile tea and I soaked the rags and froze them. And that did work really well. So I would try catnip too catnip tea. 
So the children, like I was saying, it's so suitable for children for so many reasons. Not only does it help to bring down a fever, help fight colds and flus, um, it's really suits very mild, so it is suitable for infants either through the mother's milk or in spoonfuls of lukewarm to cool tea. And it can be really beneficial if there's a colicky child or a child with whooping cough because of the antispasmodic properties. And it does have a really nice benefit for the lungs and the digestive system as well. Also, for the children, it can really help to encourage sleep and to calm and relax a restless baby. And so, hey, mamas, I see you out there. I know I can relate. You're tired. You're exhausted. You have a baby and you're waking up every two hours and hopefully you're sleeping when the baby sleeps and hopefully that baby's sleeping so that you can sleep. Um, But if the baby's having a hard time sleeping or is restless or teething or has a fever, then catnip is definitely an herb to have on hand and to consider working with, both for yourself and for the baby. It's also known to help with uh, children who are dealing with ADD or ADHD, even if they're older children, to kind of help focus and calm the mind. So as I was saying about the lungs, because it has this great antispasmodic property to it, it can really help um, if there's any sort of extra coughing or spasming in the lung, any sort of bronchitis, and even pneumonia it's known to be useful in treatment for. And then for women, so not only for the babies, but for the mamas, it can help to normalize irregular menses. It can also really help if you have cramps. Again, with this antispasmodic property, it can help to soothe and relax the uterus so that you don't have as much cramping. And this can be done either by smoking it or by drinking it as a tea. And I'm sure a tincture would also be helpful. And this is the whole top part of the catnip. The flowers, the leaves, the stem are all helpful. Although the stem, you know, the the bigger you let the plant get, the more stem and less, less leaf ratio there is. So if you want to be harvesting a lot of leaves, then I would maybe even start before the plant even blooms and then maybe take a couple harvests and then let it go to bloom and then you could cut it for a third harvest while it's in bloom if you want to get some of those flowers in with your medicine. Headache pain, so we know that it helps to relieve pain, especially in the mouth. And we know that it is uh, calms, and we're going to talk about this, but calming to the nervous system, soothing. So if there's tension headaches, if you have painful headaches because you're tense and stressed and on edge or lots going on, then catnip could be helpful for a couple different reasons. Also along those lines, so helping to for people to induce sleep or relieve nightmares or ease insomnia. And it can be made into sleep pillows where you would make a little sachet or open a little sachet that you already have and empty it out and put in a whole bunch of dried catnip 
and then sew it or zip it back up and put it by your pillow, under your pillow, under your head while you are falling asleep and see if it has any benefits or to help you fall asleep. Or if you're really stressed and you aren't sleeping because you're stressed out and your mind is racing and you wish you could do all kinds of things, but really you know that the only thing that you can do is lie in bed and hopefully fall asleep, then catnip might be the herb for you. Also known to help lessen stress, help us relax, calm the nerves, ease restlessness. It's known to be very helpful for people who are dealing with anxiety or even confusion, even for our elders who might be feeling a little confused or, um, you know, the brain might just not be functioning as quickly as it used to. And then for, um, you know, we talked about for any sort of digestive upset, but then linking that back down, if you get digestive upset specifically, um, when you are dealing with stress or anything stressful in your life, then catnip could very well be the herb for you. Also known to ease hyperactivity and hysteria. And this word hysteria, every time I see it, it just, it cracks, it kind of cracks me up. It kind of is upsetting, but also kind of cracks me up. So the word hysteria, um, is, has the same root, hister, right? H-Y-S-T-E-R, like hysterectomy. So hister means uterus or womb. And hysteria was what women used to get is, you know, that whole word came from uh, probably just really angry women who really weren't being treated well. Um, and we're lashing out or we're frustrated and being like, ah, how dare you? And then uh, that was considered to be hysteria and was obviously, you see it a lot in medical books and herbal books, is, was considered a, a health problem. But really, it's probably women just being like, I am sick of this SHIT, like, stop. Ah, I want my freedom. I want my rights. I want my solidarity. Ah, well, she was hysterical. <laughs> okay, but I digress. So back to the nervous system. Catnip relieves pain, uh, eases insanity and other nervous diseases like hysteria, um, and is also helpful to calm our elders. Uh, catnip also really known to help support the liver. And then you can work with it topically as a general astringent. Like I said, it has those tannins and it's anti-inflammatory. So it could cool some sort of inflammation topically as well. Wound skin healing as well. Bug bites. You could rub it on a bug bite um, to help calm it down and quell the itching. Um, you could try it as washes to help alleviate acne or hives. You could take a bath, a catnip bath. That sounds pretty nice. Put some calendula and chamomile in there along with it. Mm. Just look out. Your cat might want to jump in the tub. She'll definitely be sitting there next to your tub just looking at you. 
and sniffing the air as it comes off, smelling like catnip. You could even work with catnip as a poultice to relieve uh, stomach aches, menstrual cramps, swollen joints, or to bring down a fever. I personally would just prefer to drink it in a tea myself, but if for some reason you just can't get it down and you don't have any other herbs available to you that could do this, which trust me, there are plenty, then you can just grab some catnip out of your garden, mash it up, maybe with some water and spread it on the painful area. Also, as a hair rinse and to relieve scalp irritations and dandruff, you can you know, make a nice strong tea of it and then rinse your hair with it in the shower. Also, making a salve or a liniment with the catnip and rubbing it into any sore knuckles or joints for any sort of arthritis, it can help to relieve that. And then also can be really helpful to if you have... Um, pink eye or some sort of eye issue, then soaking a rag in the catnip tea and, a, and lying back and just putting that soaked rag over your eyes could be very helpful. Probably also I would imagine it's to relieve eye inflammation, allergy symptoms, or bloodshot eyes. And then catnip, uh, you can smoke it. You can roll it in rolling paper. You could mix it with other herbs. You could even uh, mix it with tobacco if you wanted. And it's smoked to relieve cramps, ease the nerves, and stop hiccups. Also, it could be if you are trying to or if you are currently quitting smoking cigarettes and things that have nicotine, then catnip is known to, if you smoke it, to help alleviate the nicotine withdrawal and the feelings of discomfort from that. So that's a lot. That's digestion, um, colds, flus, and fevers. So I'd say digestion, number one, tension, uh, irritability, number two, fevers, number three, and then pain relief in the teeth, in the mouth, antispasmodic for the lungs, the digestive tract, um, and the menstrual cramping. So if there's any sort of cramping in the body, this can be really helpful or pain. And then helping to normalize menses. This was actually interesting. Culpepper, in his book, says that catnip is an herb for women's courses, which would be the menstrual cycle, the flow. Um, and they, and he suggested it as soaking yourself in a bath or doing a steam and sitting over the steam. And this was written, he wrote his book in 1649, talking about cramps and increasing fertility and um, stopping delayed menses by soaking in a bath or doing a vaginal steam, which you don't really, I, I don't anyway, see much literature pointing to vaginal steaming from the 1600s. So that was interesting. So, and then, yeah, it's just so helpful for the nervous system and any sort of calming support that you may need. Tea, drinking a tea of the catnip, 
whether it's fresh or dried, um, is probably the most common way of working with it. Then you could also do a tincture um, or a, you know, you could infuse it in vinegar or vinegar and honey to really get the minerals out of it as well. So I had here, I have a catnip tincture in vodka that I made August 9th, 2014. So it that's almost 10 years ago. And I have it, it's already been strained and it's in a Boston round amber bottle. Um, and I have a little bit here that I thought I would taste, uh, to give you the tasty notes, but basically it has the scent of it is smells like catnip that you give your cats plus a little bit of alcohol in there too. Okay. I'm going to take a sip. And when I say sip, it's really just enough to kind of roll on the tongue. Um, but that's kind of how I take my tinctures is just a little, little sips versus dropperful doses. And it tastes like exactly how catnip smells, right? It has that minty, that sweet high note minty flavor or scent to it. But then it also has this like kind of deep musky undertone, uh, that catnip has that's maybe more of its bitter aspect of it. But um, contraindications, there's not a lot. It can be emetic, which means it could make you throw up uh, if you take it in very large doses. Probably most things could make you throw up if you take them in very large doses, but maybe catnip, um, you know, is not that large, I did see it mentioned in a couple different resources. Also, it's a potential amenagogue, which means it could bring on a period or menses, which is generally when we are pregnant, we stay away from amenagogue herbs. So catnip, though it might be great for an infant, maybe not the best, especially in like a really strong concentrate. I'd say a cup of tea here and there is really not a problem at all. You know, when I was pregnant and I had my home birth midwife that I was seeing and I asked her, I was like, so are there any like specific herbs or, you know, things that you make sure that women definitely don't take, um, you know, and she basically said, you know, it's not so much what the herb is, it's how much and how in what form you're taking it in. So if you're just drinking tea, cups of tea here and there of different herbs, that's really not a big deal. I mean, if if they could do that, I feel like we would know about it. And it would be like, this is how we can protect or, you know, have control over our own bodies is like, if catnip could cause an abortion, I'm pretty sure we would know about it at this point, right? Or cause a miscarriage. But we don't know that. But I do want to just quickly, while I'm here with my giant botanical safety handbook, because it's still here from last week's episode, let me just take a look at Nepeta and see if there's anything else that they say. 
Safety class one, interaction class A, contraindications, none known, other precautions, none known, drug and supplement interactions, none known. Notice, it's an amenagogue. Adverse events and side effects, none known, pharmacological considers, none known. Pregnancy and lactation. An animal study indicated that a diet of 10% catnip during pregnancy resulted in weight loss in mothers and fetuses, but had no other effects on fetal health or survival. Catnip has been used as an amenagogue. So there you go. Overall, it's a very mild and safe herb. Oh, here we go. Okay, this is a funny one. Adverse events, case reports of adverse events. A 19-month-old boy became lethargic after eating an unknown amount of raisins that had been soaked in a catnip tea that had been brewing in the refrigerator for three weeks. So that's probably relatively strong brewing. you got to wonder if it was the catnip was soaking in the water for three weeks in the refrigerator. This was in 1997. And then a 19-month-old boy, so it's like a year and a half or a little bit more, um, ate a bunch of raisins soaked in catnip tea. I think the mom thought she knew what she was doing. She's like, I'm going to make this child sleepy. And that's all they have to say. Oh, and then, of course, the real issue is when we start dealing with the essential oil, which is why I don't deal with essential oils anymore because they really are dangerous drugs. So go out there and grow some catnip. You know, you don't want to use the catnip that you get that is sold for animals. You want to get catnip that is sold for humans. So you can go to your local co-op or herb shop and see if they just sell bulk catnip that's like a nice quality meant for human consumption. Because you just don't know like if it's just if it's out of you know, you don't want to take your catnip toy and go (laughs) make a tea out of it, right? Even if it's not been chewed on by and slobbered on all over by your cat. And now for my little herb story of the week. And I figure I'll just talk about my cat mint herb story. And that is, um, gosh, I was in my early 20s. I think I was probably... Yeah. 20, probably 23 or 24. And I had um, an herb garden that I had planted out behind this house that I had rented with my friend in Newmarket, New Hampshire. And I had brought my household, my old cat that I had grown up with since I was a teenager. And she had my mom was like, oh, you got to take your cat. Like, she misses you. She is just, you need to have her. So um, she came and lived with me. And at that point, she was pretty old. She was probably, oh, like at least 12 years old at that point. And she was such a sweetie. Oh, Misha was her name. And she was just my, oh, my love. I just love that cat. She was, you know, my cat since I was 
I think we got her when I was 11 or 12 years old. And she would sleep with me under the night, in the night, you know, when she was a little kitten, like under the covers, she was just this sickly little kitten um, when we got her. And I had to basically bring her back to health with like I had a whole basket full of medicine that the vet had given me to take care of this poor little kitten. And so it was, it was actually pretty, I guess that was a good lesson for me back when I was 11 years old. Anyhow, I had this beautiful cat mint plant, like I was talking about at the beginning of the pod, that was huge. And it, and my cat loved sleeping in it. That's where she would sleep when she was outside was in that plant. And the plant had kind of formed like even when she wasn't sleeping in it anymore. Um, it was like half of the plant was lying on the ground and the other half of the plant was still standing tall. And it was, I would say this plant was probably at least two or three feet round and probably the same high. And she had just made this perfect little throne for herself. And I just remember seeing her all the time just hanging out in there. And I think that I'm sure it has some of that nepetalactone in it. So she was probably just blissing out and sleeping. And then also I like to think that it would be repelling insects. So it was kind of maybe like a little mosquito-free place where she could just kind of lie and take a nap in and um yeah whenever I I think about either my cat or the cat mint plant that I plant now in every garden that I design for people um that it's a nice memory to tie me back to Misha Misha the cat I hope you found this interesting and it's just if you have a child maybe catnip is an herb that you'd want to have on hand especially in case of any fevers or digestive upset or colic um, that might occur if you have a baby too. But otherwise I am really glad that you're here. I want to thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.